We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rippy writes with Brian Scott. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up? I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. Today we have on Ole Miss offensive lineman Bryson Sanders. We talked about his path to Ole Miss, switching positions, expectations for 2024, and a whole lot more. Good dude. Really enjoyed the conversation. I think you will too. Buckle up. Before we get to that though, I want to take one quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by Seaspire. It's time to upgrade your home internet to the best service in the market with Seaspire Home Fiber. The past few years have proven how important it is to have a reliable home internet connection for you and your family. That's why Seaspire Home provides the most reliable internet service with 99.99% uptime. Seaspire also prides themselves in having the best customer service in the home internet market. Their customer service is award-winning local service based out of the Southeast with industry low call wait time. Seaspire provides one gigabit and 300 megabit internet packages to homes across Mississippi, Birmingham, and the Southern Alabama regions. Seaspire is also proud to announce the release of their brand new two gigabit and eight gigabit home internet plans. Save yourself the hassle by not waiting for your internet connection to drop with the other guys. Call or go online to cspire.com slash home today to use the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E, at checkout for one month of free service. That's right. Just for listening to this podcast, you get one month of free service when signing up for Cspire. Check them out. Cspire, customer inspired. This podcast is brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. College basketball season's heating up. NFL's winding down. If you're trying to make a little money, we'll make a little extra cash in your pocket. You need to go with Skybox. Their bread and butter is and has always been college basketball. I've been saying it on this podcast for years at this point. Let me lend you inside a little bit of Skybox's year-long college basketball action this so far this year. They're up 24 and a half units on overs on the year. They're up 0.027 units on unders plus 19 and a half units on against the spreads and are up a total of 39 units on the year with the $100 better per unit. You're up almost $4,000. That'd be $3,908 on the season. Don't you wish you had that? Well, you probably didn't sign up for Skybox. Check them out today. You'll find the picks package that fits your price range. Get familiar with Skybox before March Madness. Let them help you make some money on the end of the NFL season and so much more. They're the best sports handicapping site in the business. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. The stats speak for themselves. And if you go online and find a picks package today and use the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E, you'll get 20% off any package. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Okay, here's Bryson. All right, we now welcome on Ole Miss offensive lineman Bryson Sanders. I appreciate you joining the show, man. How's everything treating you? I guess gearing up for spring, coming around the corner. 
Uh, sir, everything's going good right now. Just in the middle of winter conditioning, just trying to get stronger, trying to get conditioned, but it's it's going good so far. So you guys play a January uh, bowl game or New Year's bowl game, and then you mentioned kind of the winter conditioning. Like, is there a lot of time off? Do you have to get back in shape? Is it more about just kind of adding to what you've already done? Yeah, I mean, it was a very quick turnaround, obviously, coming from high school, getting, you know, a lot more time off. Um, but, yeah, I mean, right after the bowl game, I just – I went straight back to lifting, just trying to get ready for the season. But, you know, we got about two to three weeks off from, you know, being here together as a team, and we went straight back into it. When do y'all start spring? Do y'all have any idea yet? I know that's got to be coming up. Yeah, I think we're starting right when we get back from spring break, which is like the 16th or 17th of March. And for you, this will be your first go-around for spring, right? You weren't an early enrollee last year. I believe you got there in the summer. Is this your first go at spring ball? It's my second. I, I was an early enrollee. Okay, so you were an early, early enrollee. So you get here last year, and you go through spring for the first time. What was that like? Like, you come from high school. You probably weren't too far removed from your high school football season. All of a sudden, you're in SEC practice. What was that kind of like adjusting to that? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely pretty crazy. I mean, I ended – my high school football season on December 1st. And then I got here uh, middle to late January and just go straight into college SEC football workouts. It was kind of crazy. We started our fourth quarter workouts about two to three weeks after I got here. And it was just, you know, obviously completely different than what I've been in before. And then, you know, football in the SEC is, it's the best in the world. So, I mean, that's a spring practice. It was, it was eye opening for sure. And then, you know, switching positions, Closer to the end of spring, it was just, it was a lot, but I'm I'm super glad I came early. I imagine that was a decent bit of a life adjustment too. I and mean, everyone talks about the football part, but you go through high school. I mean, I barely made it through uh, graduation in high school. All of a sudden, I'm at Ole Miss as a freshman in August. But I can't imagine like December of my senior year of high school. All of a sudden, I'm just like in college classes. Like, did you have a moment like that? Where like, okay, this is a little bit different. Like, I'm in college now. This has happened a little bit early. Yeah, I mean, definitely probably my first week there. I mean, just getting up early for workouts, then, you know, going to class, going to study hall, coming back and watching film, you know, at the end of the day, you really have time to do anything else and you got to wake up and do it all again the next day. It's definitely a lot different than high school, but it's the best thing in the world. Absolutely. And your path to Ole Miss is an interesting one, right? You come out of Chattanooga, Baylor, you had a grandfather that played at Ole Miss. You had a, a billion offers coming out of high school. How did, What was the recruiting process like for you? How quickly did you realize Ole Miss was going to be a player and what ultimately led you to end up at Ole Miss as opposed to a lot of other places? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very thankful for all offers I got. And the recruiting process was fun and stressful at the same time. I didn't – I mean – now people get offers. It seems like in the seventh, eighth grade, I didn't get my first offer until uh, after my sophomore season. And the first offer was actually Ole Miss, which is pretty crazy. And, you know, I took my visits. I took time talking and meeting the coaches. And I got to a final three of Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Oklahoma. And, you know, I just felt like Ole Miss was the right place for me. I felt in tune with the coaches here and the offense they ran. And I just found myself here, and I love it here. For you too, Ole Miss had a decent amount of turnover at the offensive line coach position, right? They go from Clements to Thornton to Garrison, and that's kind of right in the middle of your recruitment process. Who is your primary recruiter? Did that turnover affect you at all? Yeah, I mean, it definitely sucked. You know, it was two or three weeks before signing day when Coach Thornton left to go to Auburn. He was he was definitely my the main recruiter for me for you know two years before I came here and. You know, it sucked because we had a really good relationship, but then, 
you know, I kept talking to Coach Kiffin, and then, like, the day Coach Garrison got hired, he came, flew and visited me, and, you know, I loved him. I loved his play style, and he played in college, had a couple stints in the NFL, and I just liked the way he coached, and, you know, I, I'm very glad I'm here. The big cliche in recruiting, right, is, like, to commit to a place, not a coach type of thing. I feel like if you ended up at Ole Miss is a bit of an embodiment of that. Is that – how true is that from your experience? Because, again, there's a lot of turnover in your position coach and who was recruiting you. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, when I came and visited Oxford, you know, I loved it. I'm I'm a very laid-back guy. I don't like a big city. That's why I kind of didn't like Tennessee or Oklahoma. Oklahoma was far. You know, I like to be close to home. I mean, I'm about four and a half hours away from home, and it's a small city and, you know, just a home feel here when I came and visited. For you coming out of high school, offensive line is one of the most fascinating positions recruiting-wise to me because – it's really the lat like it's one of the only positions now where it plug and play is almost impossible. I mean, just the adjustment of it is really just not conducive to an 18 year old kid coming out of high school and coming to play. I imagine you got a little bit of a taste of that when you came early and you go through spring practice. What like what was kind of the communication with the coaching staff like about the plan for you? How quickly did you realize like, oh, yeah, this whole SEC weight program, like, yes, I need this. I need to add like good weight. Like, what was that kind of like? I mean, yeah, obviously everyone, when they come out of high school, they want to play their first year in college. But, you know, like you said, playing in the SEC as a true freshman, especially on the offensive line, is, you know, all very hard. So I knew that there's a very good chance I was going to redshirt, and that's the best decision I could have made because, you know, I'm a full year in the weight program. My body's completely changed, and I'm I learned the offense completely just sitting back, watching – everyone else go through it during spring, during the season, just sitting back, learning, putting on good weight, getting stronger. And, and you know, red trading was definitely the best thing I could have done. You hit that term good weight. I had a buddy named Sean Rawlings who played football back here during the Hugh Freeze years. He was a kid from MRA, a little bit of a late take for Ole Miss. And he ends up, he was actually when Laramie Tunsil got suspended due to the NCAA investigation, all of a sudden he looks up. He was definitely a project guy, much different situation than you're in. And then all of a sudden he's starting at Alabama in 2015 uh, on the offensive line for Ole Miss. And he mentioned like the, the, the idea of adding good weight. And he was like, dude, I got up to college at first and like me and my brother would just go cram a bunch of food at secret Wendy's. And I quickly realized, I was like, no, it's not just adding weight. Like it's adding good weight. You are having your football background. Your dad played college football. Your grandfather played college football. I imagine you had a little bit better idea of this, but kind of explain the difference of just like, not only just adding pounds, but like actually adding good weight as opposed to, you know, having a $40 tab at a fast food restaurant or something. I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, growing up, my, my parents were always would try to put healthy food in me and, you know, not a lot of bull crap. And really, since probably the middle of the this past season, I really tried to go hard on my diet. Like I eat basically the same thing every day. And I'm just trying to, you know, lose fat, put on muscle, just like everyone else is. For you in spring, could you notice that? I mean, you've already gone through a year of practices and you're about to enter your second spring. But can like from the first day you went out for spring practice last year, can you kind of notice a difference of what the weight program and the diet and all that has done for you? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, right now I'm I'm lifting more weight than I ever have in my life, and you know my body is the best it's ever been, and I just feel super strong, lean, fast, and it's definitely because of the weight program. Coach Savage is one of the best weight coaches in the country, and you know I every day we're getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's awesome. 
when you were coming out as a recruit, uh, you were you were listed as a very versatile offensive lineman that could play multiple different positions. That part's always interesting to me because you know if you're on a per, you know halfway decent high school football team, like you're probably the left tackle. But then you yeah. go to college and you're like, all right, like how is this actually going to go? What was that like for you? Like, did you have a pretty good idea of where you might play? You mentioned a position change once you got here. How did you kind of get clarity and like, hey, here's where I'm probably going to play and how this is going to work? Yeah, I mean, like you said, like most offensive linemen in high school are the best on our team. I played left tackle for two years, and then when I came here, they had me at guard. And then a week before the spring game, they just wanted to mix it up and put me in at center. And I started the spring game for one of the teams at center with, you know, a week of practice and in the SEC. It wasn't – I mean, it wasn't the best thing, but it, I did good. And it was a hard adjustment at first, but now I'm a year into it. And, you know, I love center right now. You know, I get to control the game, control the calls, and just, you know, run the offense, basically, and I, I love it. How hard was it? The You know, football is a complicated game, but in some ways it's not. Like, you do actually have to snap the ball in between your legs and get it to the quarterback. Like, that's just another added layer of you guys up front trying to defend behemoth off, uh, defensive linemen. How big of an adjustment was that? Like, how hard is the concept of snapping the football, as dumb as that sounds? I mean, yeah, I mean, people, you know – crap on the the center sometimes when they make bad snaps i mean we saw alabama center in the playoffs making bad snaps and i mean it's it's hard you know i had a i'm just now getting it you know right every time even during this this past season like i would have a couple bad snaps here and there and it's just learning process is something you got to get used to you just got to tape reps and reps and reps every day what, like, how does a bad snap happen? Because you're having to look at all kinds of different things, right? What kind of front they're in and things like that. Like, what is it a snap or is like, is, is it harder when someone lines up over you? Like, what makes it difficult? I, I imagine shotgun being a little bit more difficult, but like, what makes it difficult to snap a football in terms of like when you get to the line of scrimmage and everything you're having to look at and then honestly get the football to the quarterback before you do all the other thing that the other four linemen are doing? Yeah. I mean, especially in our offense, how fast we go, it's, you know, it's it's easy to make a snapping mistake because you're trying to figure out the defense, make the calls, and all of a sudden you hear the clap and you just got to snap it. And sometimes you can hold on to the ball too long and then the ball will go over the quarterback's head or you just snap it too quick and it'll go on the ground. So it's just something you got to get used to each and every day. You're entering your senior season of high school. Uh, someone at The Athletic, I think his name is G. Allen Taylor, wrote a very great profile on you. I learned a lot. I was reading it. Um, before I you know, kind of researching this interview, it sounds like your dad, college football player, he told you at a very young age, you're going to be an offensive lineman. That is not how most people get into the game of football, like watching the offensive lineman up front. But it sounds like you've gained a really great appreciation for the, you know, hand to hand combat and all the nuances that go into that. What was it actually like being a football fan at a young age who actually watched the line of scrimmage? Yeah. I mean, my dad, um, since I was born, he was a high school coach till I was about 12 or 13 years old. So I was around the game of football my whole life. And, you know, my parents are both tall. My dad's big. So, you know, all the doctors always said how I was going to be big and tall. So, you know, my dad already had it in his brain. I was going to be an offensive lineman just like he was and just like my grandfather. So, you know, I grew up in the coaches, coaching staff meetings in the locker room with the players at a young age. And I just been around him my whole life. I uh so I'm from Jackson, Mississippi. I went to a private school. I uh judging by my tiny ass frame, I'm not an athlete for a billion different reasons, <laughs> but it always made me laugh 
It's like private school football had a bit of a stigma to it. Tennessee's a little bit different, right? You have the boarding schools and all of that. What was like, like how was in terms of your recruiting process? Obviously, people knew pretty early on you were going to be a pretty high major, you know, big time recruit. But like, is there any sort of stigma at all versus public private school football in the state of Tennessee? And Tennessee, I think people know private school is the best football. I mean, I think it was last year there was an article about like the best football high school football conferences in the country. And I think the Tennessee private school division that I'm in was like number five and number six. You know, that's just how good it is. I mean, during my year, Marcel, I played Marcel Reed in the championship. He was at Texas A&M. I went against five or six SEC D linemen that year. So it's just, I mean, it's one of the best football divisions in high school. As you enter this year, there's a lot of excitement around the football program. You mentioned the position change. You get a center. And I know that happened before entering this offseason. But for a guy coming in, you come in early, highly touted recruits. You know, I, that's a bit of an adjustment. But it sounds like you took the mindset of, like, I'm willing to do whatever that gets me on the field the quickest. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, when they asked me to move to center, it was I had no hesitation. I mean, if that's what they think was best for me, I, I trust the coaches. I mean, they're here for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. And so as you kind of enter this spring and know you're going to be in the mix to contribute on a team that I think has probably the highest expectations of any Ole Miss team in that in my lifetime, I imagine not every spring's the same. And I know you, you've only gone through one, but can you, I mean, I've talked to Kate and Priestcorn about this, a couple other guys. Can you guys kind of sense the excitement and expectations around the group that you have and what you guys could do this year? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, every day when you come in a workout, the energy, the intensity is high, you know, Everyone's competing, trying to lift more weights than the day before, trying to run faster, trying to push harder. I mean, there's very big excitement around the team. All the new transfers have bought in, and we're just ready to go compete. In that story I referenced earlier, your dad had a very interesting quote, and it's it's always something that makes me laugh. Is You talk about Lane Kiffin, and they talk about how he hops from job to job. He's not going to be here very long. And your dad had a very like direct quote about, like, no, we feel like he has a pretty good niche at Ole Miss. He's going to be here for a while. How prevalent was that when other schools are recruiting you? Is that like a real thing, them telling you, hey, this coach isn't going to be here a while? And how did you kind of, I guess, block that out for the lack of a better word if it was a thing? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, all the all my final schools I visited were, you know, that's was our main point. Oh, Kiffin's going to leave. You know, he, he doesn't stay at a job for very long. So I I heard that for two years getting recruited. How do you – that's interesting to me just on a, a number of different levels because it's not – it goes both ways, right? I mean, whatever the school you go to or vice versa, you're 18 years old. I couldn't imagine deciphering that. How do you kind of figure out what's like bullshit and what's not in terms of what coaches are telling you to try to get you to go to their school? I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely hard at a just being told by coaches different things each and every day. But, you know, that the negative recruiting I did, didn't really sit well with me because, you know – if you got to negatively recruit somebody, what does that say about your program? Why aren't you talking good about your program and promoting the things instead of talking bad about the other ones? So, you know, I just I didn't really like the negative stuff. And, you know, when I talked to Coach Kiffin, I could just tell he's being truthful and, you know, telling me that he was going to stay here. I had talked to Isaac Ukwu and a couple other transfer portal guys about their recruitment process coming from another college program. For you out of high school, at least you guys still have some semblance of a signing period where you sign the NLI and then it's like, all right, this is kind of done. But you mentioned the recruiting process being both exciting and a little overwhelming at the same time. I remember Isaac told me, he's like, I got to the point where like early last May, maybe late April, I was like, I am really, really tired of coaches texting me all the time. I just need like four or five days to think about this and then just make a decision. 
it's gotten to the point where like, this is fun for a while. It's not fun. Did you as a high school recruit kind of hit the same point where like, I'd kind of like to shut this down and just make a decision and get all this over with to where I don't wake up with 60 texts every morning. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, at first it's fun because you're getting to meet all these coaches and getting all these offers, but then, you know, after two years of it, you're just tired and you want to just put your phone away and not talk to anyone and just, you know, focus on, you know, high school and just being a high schooler. You know, I definitely wanted to get my recruitment over fast. That's why I wanted to commit in the summer and just enjoy my senior high school football season and just, you know, be around my guys and just have fun. You go through a year of practice. You knew you mentioned redshirting was kind of the best thing that happened to you. But you go through practice against a pretty damn good uh, SEC defensive lineman in practice as well. Did that, do you feel like that made you a lot better having to go up against Ole Miss's defensive line every day in practice? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, these, especially this past year, we had a lot of transfers in, a lot of veteran guys, you know, fifth to six year guys. So it definitely made me a better player just going up against these guys that are older and stronger, stronger than me at that point when I'm 18 years old. So, you know, I'm I'm very glad that I get to go, go up against these guys every day and we're bringing in better and better people. That's only going to make me better. I know you mentioned you played against a lot of good competition in high school. I know there's no comparison, obviously, to like high school of the SEC. But if someone was asking just like what is like the biggest difference in you going from what you did in high school to an SEC, you know, practice, spring practice, whatever it is, like what would you tell them? Like what, what do you figure is the best difference that jumped out immediately? You're like, whoa, this is a little something different. Probably just how fast it is. I mean, when that horn blows, you got to run right next, right to the next thing, and the horn blows, horn blows. I mean, it's we usually have, I don't know, 16 periods of practice, 16 to 18 periods, and you just got to run every time. And, you know, especially in our offense, how fast it is. It just goes and goes and goes for two hours straight. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Yeah, I imagine that would probably get you in pretty good shape in its own right as fast as this offense goes. That's kind of an under, under, underrated part of not only offensive line, but playing center and stuff. You have a snap, you probably maybe have a good play, whether it's a run or a pass or whatever, and you're like, all right, that went fine on the next play. It, I feel like what people don't think about is I got to get down, I got to get over the football. I imagine you're the dude that actually get, has to get the football from the umpire. What is that like when you're trying to go fast 
and the play from your vantage point is over, whether they've thrown it down the field or the running backs got to the second level, like kind of take me through what happens next when your guys are going tempo, what is your responsibility to get to the line of scrimmage and snap it as quickly as possible? Uh, yeah. I mean, my first, my first job is to get to the ball as fast as possible. So the other four linemen can line up based on where I am. And then you got to decipher the defense, how they're lined up, you know, what front they're in, what's our play call. Then you got to make the play. Are you going to make the call for the other linemen? You got to do all that in about, I don't know, seven or eight seconds. So it's definitely, it it's fast, but there's a huge advantage to how fast we go. Do referees ever piss you off where you're like, damn it, dude, like give me the football. Like <laughs> we have to get this going. I mean, a couple of times. Yeah. But you know, when they, when they ref Ole Miss games, they know that we go fast. So it's, it's good. Yeah, absolutely. So as you guys enter this year, I know you mentioned expectations are different, but another thing that I think is important is the amount of continuity, the amount of guys you bring back. Obviously, there'll be some new faces on the offensive line. But from you know last year's spring where you have a ton of new faces, I mean, it's, it's from 22 to 23. There are a lot of different guys on that roster this year. As you go through the spring and you eventually go through the summer, can you kind of sense a difference of just how quickly you guys either develop or pick up on things or improve because there's a lot of the same guys in the room? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that culture that, we, that we've been building since last January is, I mean, it's it's basically built already just because of how many guys came back and we're just continuing to get better each and every day, continue just to gel as a team, get these new transfers in. But, you know, since I've been here, but it's only a year. This the culture right now is the best it's ever been. I mean, Coach Kiffin talks about coach culture all the time, and you know we have we have a very good culture right now. And why guys come here, they want to be around this program. That's another thing I think is very I think undersold about the way uh, Kiffin and really the entire coaching staff runs the program is you have this whole transfer portal thing where you know portal king and all that. They bring in new guys. They're very successful in recruiting in the transfer portal. And it's like, well, how do you get those guys to mesh in a very short amount of time and buy into this? But one of the things I've always found admirable about how Kiffin runs his program is they don't really put up with a lot of shitheads. And I remember his press conference after the Egg Bowl, and he was like, look, this program is not for everybody. I know people think we just say that. But, like, if you're not bought in and you're not about pulling in the same direction, like, you're not going to be a part of this. We're just going to tell you to leave, no matter how talented you are. There's some noteworthy cases, some non-noteworthy cases. How quickly did you pick up on that and gain an appreciation for that? I mean, yeah, it's the first day when I got here, you know, we have a team meeting. And, you know, Coach Savage, the, Coach Savage, the shrink coach, goes out there and just talks about our culture and how our program wants to be. And then next day in the weight room, I can just, I can just tell what this culture is going to be, you know, 100% every rep, you know, no matter what we're doing. And, you know, we had a sign last – when I came last winter that we tap, just like tapping in, like we're in, we're, we're ready. For you, you come up in a time where the transfer portal and all of that is already kind of off and running. So, like, from a recruiting standpoint, you probably don't know a ton of difference in the world, but, like, the college football ecosystem is changing very quickly – I'm just curious, being in an SEC locker room, everyone knows that there's recruiting going on during the season and all of that. It was it kind of crazy to you at all to be like, man, these guys can just leave at any time. Like, was it did you notice at all like how different and how fast college football is changing with guys leaving, guys coming apart? Not even necessarily from your standpoint, but just like, wow, this can look a lot different. It almost feels like a game of musical chairs at all times. I mean, definitely. I mean, after this past season, we lost like three or four offensive linemen that that left i mean it's definitely crazy you can i can walk in there tomorrow and there could be a guy not there because yeah. he, he transfer portal it's just just crazy 
guys can come in and leave at any time, but it's, it's the way college football is right now. I remember one of the things that um, that Rawlings told me when he got here is he had a he had the benefit of a few veteran offensive linemen, one of them being Javon Patterson that kind of took him under his wing and was like, here's how we do things, here's how this goes. Did you have someone or multiple people like that for you this last offseason kind of trying to teach you the ropes of like how college football works and what to do on a daily day-to-day basis? I mean, yeah, almost all of them. I mean, the, the group I was with last year and the group I'm with now, the offensive linemen is – really good group of guys a lot of veteran guys that are back for their fourth fifth year um you know Eli Acker Caleb Warren you know Reese McIntyre's I'm a center you know they they take me under the wing since last year and I'm just learning from them and continue to get better you got to watch last year as you're redshirting. I mentioned asking you about kind of the pace of the game and what's the biggest difference did you have any moments last year where like holy shit, this is a different dude on the other side of the football. Even just from the sideline, did you notice anyone defensive lineman like in the SEC that stuck out of like, wow, this guy's a dude? Um, I mean, I was lucky enough to travel to the Georgia game, and that was that was definitely eye-opening. Yeah. To, you know, Georgia, they had some monsters on their field. And, you know, when we were warming up, um, Jordan Davis was on their sidelines. He's in the NFL now, but, I mean, that man's just massive. He's only two years removed from college football, and he's probably this – same body type he is now as he was in college so it's just you know georgia was definitely eye-opening for sure yeah i i bet that was pretty insane jordan davis just a monstrosity of a human being i can't imagine standing next to him even like for a, even like a large human like you beg damn i look small next to this dude this is kind of yeah, crazy he's, he's um nice. as you guys go into this season there's a lot of high expectations and you know, it's spring, and so I imagine a lot of the stuff hasn't ramped up yet. But have y'all talked about at all how to kind of handle pressure and when that comes? And, you know, in a era where, rightly or wrongly, you know, assholes like myself who talk in the media and do all this stuff will go play off or bust and all these other things. Have they talked to y'all at all about handling expectations and what comes with heightened expectations? Yeah, Coach Kiffin talks all the time just about, you know, focusing on today, today's workout, today's lift, just get better. One and oh today and, you know, not worry about what's going to happen in six months when the college football season begins. Just take it day by day. Just continue to get better and just, you know, block out all the noise. That's what he says. Just block out all the noise and just focus on ourselves. We'll get back to Bryson in just one second. But before we do, I want to take one quick break to remind you. This podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. If you're a Rippy Wright subscriber, that's rippywrights.substack.com. Get a free newsletter from me. Plus discounted meets. Right now, if you're a Rippy Wright subscriber, just go in and show Greg proof of subscription. You get three six-ounce bacon wrap fillets for 20 bucks. If it's a $40 valuation you're getting there for 20 bucks, just show him proof of subscription. He'll get you all set up. Then go find your own favorites. It's the best butcher shop in the world. All kinds of delicious cuts of meats. Go to LB's this holiday season. It will make everything in your house better. People will be like, where the hell did you get this awesome stuff? Like LB's University Avenue in Oxford. It is a crown jewel of the South, a crown jewel of Oxford. Check them out today, LB's University Avenue. This podcast is now brought to you by MC Speech Therapy. Has your child been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder or another developmental disorder? MC Speech Therapy offers private speech therapy from the comfort of your own home. Other centers may leave you as the parent sitting in the waiting room. MC Speech Therapy enables parents to make every moment with their child therapeutic. Using a relationship-based framework, MC Speech Therapy can help your child engage, relate, and communicate. Mary-Claire Boudreaux's doctorate-level expertise and passion in helping children with communication difficulties offers articulation and language therapy, parent training, 
is, is licensed to do virtual therapy across the state of Mississippi. With MC Speech Therapy, you and your family will gain a better understanding of your child while cultivating stronger relationships. For service today, call 903-824-8575 or email her at maryclaire at mcspeechtherapy.net. That is M-A-R-Y-C-L-A-I-R-E at mcspeechtherapy.net. All right, back to Bryson. One of the most admirable things about last year's team to me was there were plenty of moments in that season where things could have gone wrong. You guys had a bad week at Alabama. You're down two scores with like eight minutes left to go in the fourth quarter against LSU. But pretty much, not pretty much, literally every single time that team's back was up against the wall, you guys responded. I think every single time you guys trailed in the fourth quarter, the next drive was a touchdown what was that like? I mean, you've been on high school teams. You've been on a lot of different teams. What was that like being on a team where when something bad happened, no one really flinched? It was just like, all right, I guess we'll go score and make this happen. Because it's uh, talking to enough people that play team sports, that's not the case on every team. What was that like kind of witnessing for the first time? I mean, yeah, I mean, that definitely started in January with the culture we're building and just, you know, trusting the guy next to you if the offense – you know, makes a mistake. We we trusted the defense to go out there and get a stop. And, you know, same with the defense. They let up a touchdown. They knew the offense was going to go out there and score a touchdown. So it's just, you know, having confidence in your teammates and confidence in yourself that, you know, we're going to go out there and score even if we're, you know, down seven with two two minutes left. Offensive linemen can be notorious trash talkers. Some guys just operate in silence. Other guys like to yell from the uh, first snap of the game, which can also lend itself to, you know, not benefit other guys. I remember Rawlings told me a story one time where I think one of their, their center or someone they're playing was yelling at a defensive lineman. Well, that guy's in Rawlings gap. So it's, it's not he that he's pissed off. He's, that's not the one that has to block him. Do you engage in that at all? Or are you just kind of like, all right, I'm going to keep this silent. I'm not going to say anything. What is that kind of like in the trenches? I mean, yeah, I'm definitely more silent until, you know, someone on the other team starts and maybe I'll get in a little bit, but, you know, playing center, you don't really have time to do that. You got to go focus on, you know, next play and making the calls. Yeah, absolutely. What's the loudest place I went to this year? Um, definitely Georgia. Georgia was very loud. Is that so? I mean, you'll experience this next year, you know, being on the field and kind of in the huddle. Like, how hard is it to hear yourself think? Like, is it real? I mean, I've been down there on the field at the end of Baton Rouge a couple of times, like even talking to like a photographer five feet away from me. And I was like, I don't know what this guy's saying. Like, it's like, describe it to people who don't know on the field, like how loud it actually is and how hard it is to communicate. I mean, yeah, when Georgia played the loudest point, you can barely talk to the guy next to you. It's, it's how loud it is. And, you know, you talk about LSU and places like that. It's, that's why the clap, when we go on the clap, it's important because, you know, if, if we went on a cadence, we probably wouldn't be able to hear it at all. Silent count has to be something you probably had to learn and get it adjusted to. And, you know, as much practice as you can get until that happens for you on the field next year, like, is that a little bit trial by fire? Like, I mean, that's something that people don't think about that's hard because a lot of times you can't hear the clap type of thing. Is that something you worked on? Is that something you're just going to have to experience, you know, when it happens? Yeah, we actually, we haven't done a silent count at all. We just go on the clap because, you know, so far every place they've been, the claps worked even when at its loudest point. So, you know, hopefully we don't have to get to that point and, you know, we can just keep using the clap. Okay, so what's the difference between a clap and a silent count? So um, a clap is, you know, whenever dark claps, I snap the ball. Yeah, sure. A silent count, you know, usually the one of the guards will look back to the quarterback and the quarterback will give him like and a tap you. head nod or something and the guard will, you know, pat the center and then he'll snap the ball. Okay, that makes some sense. I never actually really thought about it that way. 
for a guy like you, you come in your second year, Jackson darts in his third year. Um, yeah, I've gotten to know him and his family a little bit. Um, really tough dude. Seems like you guys really rallied around him. What's it like going into this year, having a veteran presence at quarterback that kind of knows the ropes, knows everything and really seems to be someone you guys rallied around. Oh yeah. Dart. He's a, he's a great guy. He's a great leader. You know, when we're down at halftime, you know, he comes in there and fires everyone's up, fire everyone's up and just, you know, tells everyone not to panic and that everything's going to be good. You know, he's a very smart dude. He's, he's one of the best quarterbacks in college football. You know, it was definitely awesome to have him back and have him as a leader. Is he going to learn how to slot? <laughs> Hopefully. I said, dude, I always joke with his dad about that. I'm like, dude, even when he tries to slide, sometimes he leans head forward. I was like, that kind of defeats the purpose of the slide in some, uh, in some ways. I remember in 22, he had just like, they were still battling for the starting job and like he could have slid easily going out of bounds at Georgia tech. And he just absolutely destroyed some linebacker. And I was like, you know, as cool as that was, I'm pretty sure they're like, I don't want to see you doing that a ton again, but that kind of just embodies who he is and his toughness. As we wrap up here, um, you know, you go through this year, I mean, keep mentioning the expectations, how restless and excited for you guys to get here. I know it's a process. I know every day going to spring, but I imagine it's hard not to think about September getting here and going through this again. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, everyone's excited to start playing already. I mean, the talent we got and everyone transfer portal class in the country, along with everyone we brought back from this past season. You know, we're definitely excited. We want to play, but, you know, we still got a lot of things to work on from last season to continue to get better. You were a wrestler in middle school. Is that right? So you had an injury? Yeah, yeah I wrestled in middle school. I uh, I got a pretty bad injury. Then my junior year of high school, I wrestled for, for a year. So that's always fascinating to me because like in, in Mississippi, they didn't really have wrestling, but one of my college roommates was actually a pretty badass wrestler from Dallas. And I was, I always asked him like, how do you get into wrestling? How do you learn the nuances of it? Why did you like wrestling? And how did you like learn how to actually wrestle? Well, my dad made me wrestle for, for okay. football reasons to become a better lineman. So he's, he's the main reason I started wrestling in high or in middle school. And then, you know, it's just fun, you know, just being out there learning all the, no different moves. And, you know, I got to wrestle in high school my junior year and win a state championship. So I was, it was super fun, but, you know, wrestling practices are, you know, not something that I want to do again because that's how bad they are. It's just, it's way worse than football practices and it's fun, but it's insanely hard at the same time. Is it conditioning? Or is it more just your hand-to-hand combat the entire time? Like what makes a wrestling practice tough? I mean, yeah, it's just, you know, physicality for two straight hours, just getting thrown to the ground, throwing guys to the ground, working all these moves. And then at the end, you know, just a burnout of straight conditioning. It's it sucks. I imagine you had to be pretty used to be big, bigger than most people. But what was like you probably had to learn some strategy to it, too. Right. It's not just I'm bigger than you. I'm going to physically overwhelm you. There's moves. There's holds. There's all of that. What was it kind of like learning that? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, leverage was definitely the best thing that wrestling taught me because, you know, in football and wrestling, the lower man is probably going to win every time. So, you know, wrestling taught me a lot of great things, taught me good things about how to use my hands. So it's it's definitely something I'm grateful that I did. I think that's the most underrated part of playing offensive line is the thinking man's part of it. I mean, it, they call it hand-to-hand combat. Everyone's big in the SEC. Do you feel like wrestling helped you figure out kind of how to think your way through, whether it's a defensive ends move, the interior defensive lineman's move? Like, I actually have to think about how this guy's going to attack me other than the fact that he's real big, I'm real big, and I hope he doesn't get to our quarterback. Oh, yeah, 100%, especially in hand placement. You know, wrestling, you always try to get inside hands, you know, every time because, you know, that's how 
you make a lot of the moves and football is the same thing as offensive lineman. You want to have inside hands so you can control the guy. So the wrestling has definitely helped me with that. Easier or harder to get called for a holding call on the interior or exterior, the offensive line tackle or interior. What, like, is it easier to hide from holding calls? What is, what is kind of your opinion there? Uh, I'd probably say tackle is probably easier to get called for holding just because you're kind of out of the island out there. Center's probably the hardest just because you're so you're in the middle of everything and it's kind of hard to see what's going on right in the midst of you know all the blocking and stuff. Lastly, what do you kind of like to do? I know you guys don't get a ton of free time. What do you kind of like to do outside of football? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm an introverted kind of guy, so you know I like to fish a little bit, play video games, just you know chill out a little bit and, you know, do homework because, you know, a lot of people don't think that we still got to do homework, but we do. <laughs> I read in that story, too, you're big into investing. Do you want to explain crypto to me like I'm four? <laughs> I'll let someone that's smarter than me do that. But, yeah, definitely. I'm uh, I'm majoring in banking and finance, and it's something I, you know, do when I have time. It's just something to learn and look at. And that's probably the perfect way to wrap up. I think that's an awesome major. I went to the Ole Miss Business School myself. But, you know, you you have a lot of focus on football. I think you have a very bright future ahead of you. Hopefully you play 15 years in the NFL. But how hard is it to stay in the moment versus kind of think about your future and where this football thing versus an educational thing is going to go? How hard difficult is that to balance? Oh, yeah, I'm def- it's definitely hard to balance, you know. But my parents taught me at a young age, you know, how important school was because I can get hurt at any time and not play football again. But I can always have a degree and, you know, go at work, even if I'm not playing football. So it's definitely something I've, I've carried around with me my whole life. But it's also hard not to look at the future, you know, wonder what can happen if I play in the NFL for 10 to 15 years and I have to work a day in my life for a, a corporate job or something. But, you know, I definitely still need to keep focusing on school and get a degree. He is Bryson Sanders. I really appreciate you doing this, man. I had a lot of fun learning a little bit more about your story. We'll have to do this again sometimes. But thanks for joining the show. Good luck through spring. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay, that's going to do it for our show today. I think I'm going to talk to Bracken and Colin on Sunday. Probably two separate podcasts, but I'll keep you posted there. Got our wires crossed last Sunday, but trying to balance basketball and baseball as best we can. Uh, Although on the latter half of that, not sure how long we're going to be able to balance baseball as this season is not looking promising. Be that as it may, we will have a conversation for you on Sunday. Thanks for listening to this podcast as always, and we'll talk to you here real soon. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.